Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops Podcast, another week, another show, April 1st, 2021 recording. Um, normally I would come to the table with an April Fool's joke today, but... Uh, Please don't, Eric. Save us, save us. I got nothing. I know I know your Celtic commentary is, is, is coming, so before we get into our uh, rapid-fire rundown today featuring some of these... Uh, big men buyouts and how things are shaping up uh, as we stare ahead at the playoffs. Uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you bring it Bring it at me first? What do you got? What do you got? What do I have? Um, what do you got? Let's talk a little NCAA tournament. You know that that, that seems to be a hot topic. You know we got the Final <laughs> Four set. Before we get to a little pro basketball, let's talk about. Great basketball right now. You know, the, we love the March Madness. It's April now. April's fools, you know. But uh, we got UCLA, Gonzaga. You know. Baylor and Houston, correct? This Down is in the, Texas. So let's talk a little basketball here. Admittedly, this is the least college hoops I've ever watched. Due to um, why, why, um, my own personal circumstances of uh, moving, relocating, the workload, and then just like not—I just wasn't feeling it with how they approached the season with COVID. So I just I didn't I didn't make it a priority. But from what I have watched, this UCLA team is so much fun to watch. And a really cool story. And um, I'm not saying they're going to beat Gonzaga, but they're going to give Gonzaga a run for their money. And I'm actually really looking forward to watching uh, that game this upcoming weekend. The other thing that threw me off was the scheduling. Like the whole shift in days, like the Sweet 16 Elite Eight was not the usual... Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday, Caden. So oh, I'm, all, kind of, uh, I'm all uh, out of whack. Sti- I'm yeah, all yeah, out you you should have been a baseball player. I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you should have been a baseball player. You know, you, it's, it's, no versatility, no flexibility. No versatility. You walk out into the field the same way every single time. Come on. Like, it, it's, come on. You're, 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 you just criticize... You just criticized the the, the, I wasn't the, the powers that be for how they put on the tournament. And then no, 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 
no, no, no, no. First of all, it's not a criticism. It was just, it was just my own, like, my situation, my choice. I'm not criticizing the schedule of change. I'm saying I didn't adjust to it. I didn't adjust to it. Oh, Trust well, me, yeah. There's many, well, yeah, there's yeah. many other things to the NCAA that I can criticize. The, the yeah, schedule well, of sound, getting the tournament done is like not like a very it sounded like it was like a little subliminal jab that's what it felt like you know what i mean it felt passive aggressive it felt a little passive aggressive no 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 i mean well i I just want you to be versatile i just want you to be a little flexible like the kids were playing their hearts out and you didn't even support them (laughs) the kids were out there playing and you're like still mad at the schedule makers you know like the kids were playing I'm not watching this game. I didn't know what time it was going to start. Exactly. Like, like, like you're the old guy on the lawn already. Come on. Adjust to no, the game, pal. Get with I'm, it. I mean, I'm missing first quarters of NBA games because I, I can't get used to a 4.30 p.m. Pacific time tip-off. Yeah. Well, just, what's that lifestyle. to do with the kids? The kids showed up. Yeah. And then Eric was like, oh, I'm sure. I don't like the It's not the traditional. Come on. Like, these kids are playing their hearts out. You know, they're. What what have you seen from these final four teams um, that excites you the most? Doesn't matter the team. What what have you seen that's drawn your eye, and what are you looking forward to most? This what week? have I seen? Um, well, it's been fascinating to watch here because you know you and I had an opportunity to see bubble basketball literally with the NBA and how the games changed, how the players adapted, and there was a certain flow that you saw in the bubble that was different than how the games are played traditionally because of travel teams literally having a home court advantage teams playing on the road. But when you play in the bubble, it's basically a neutral site, right? Even though one team may have home court, you know, in theory, it's basically just a neutral site. And there was a certain flow to the games that I saw in the NBA bubble. And it reminds me now as I'm watching the the collegiate game, there's a certain flow to the game, right? The, the, the game is flowing. Like people are shooting exceptionally well, right? And I don't know if it's due because of travel. You don't have noise crowd. I mean, there's people in the stands, but it's not the same, right? Um so, so you're, 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 could this be a comp between how well some of the guys shot in the bubble in the NBA playoffs last year to uh, what you're seeing in, in, in this yes, now? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I think a team, a team gets hot and then they get hot. You know, confidence is a funny thing, right? You know, you, you know, I'm not saying that Jamal Murray and Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell, those guys were like, I mean, that was an incredible playoff run last year with those with, with guards and the way you saw people oh, well, shooting those the guys but you look at you look at the miami guys you look at duncan robinson and Tyler hero, the, uh, hero. Who, i mean it list goes on and on but yeah. you can see now in this bubble you see teams you know just playing exceptionally well right and there was a flow to the games and that and that and, and it's i mean it's great so um i think those teams gonzaga has been i mean from start you know, now with hopefully for them, they'll have two more games to play. Um, they've been playing exceptionally well from is, the beginning. Is this is this the best Gonzaga team you've ever seen? Like, forget the record. Like, just just like I don't talent, I don't think so. How you they know, play? Listen, I I think I I, I think we've seen a lot of good watch. Ones. I can tell you this: this kid Jalen Suggs has my attention. So in collegiate basketball, I always look at at one position in particular, the point guard position, because having a 
good point guard, a great part point guard, and an exceptional point guard, that, that, that's a huge advantage, especially in collegiate basketball, because you can control the tempo of the game. Jalen Suggs has to be one of the best players to ever come through Gonzaga, regardless of positions. He's one of the best players I've seen. Now, you can argue the other positions, but Jalen Suggs is without question, in my opinion, one of the, if he's not the best to come through there, and I'm saying best from pro, a pro prospect, he's one of the best I've seen to come through there. He's, he is a winning basketball player in every phase of the game. Like, he has the size, he has the athletic ability, he can finish at the basket, he can defend, he controls the tempo, he has a certain level of toughness that he plays with, and he's a very persistent player. Now, he may not do all of the things flashy like some of the guards do, speaking of Kyrie Irving or, or you know, or Steph Curry and, and all of those players. But this young man, without question, is going to be a very, very, very good basketball player for a long time in the NBA because he has all of the physical attributes that you look for in a guard. He's got size and he's got a certain level of mental toughness with him. So I think when you put him on the floor, you can see what he does to the game. He elevates the game of everyone. And he can play at a pace that not many can play at, especially at the collegiate level. So I think that gives them a decided advantage on the floor. And you can see that they beat a very, very, very good player. This young man, uh, Mobley, Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley is a very special talent, individual talent. Haven't seen a player this good in a long time at, at his position. I mean, he's a very gifted player. But you can see the effect of a point guard like Jalen Suggs that he can have on the game. So... Um, I, I, I really, I've really been impressed with Jalen Suggs and how he has led this team from beginning to now the Final Four. I, I'm excited for both games. Um, obviously, there's a lot of history on the line here with Gonzaga trying to be the first team since the Indiana Hoosiers in 1976. History, BJ, his story it's, it's history his story. it's his story um, it's his story but they're trying to be the 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 first team to go undefeated and win the national title uh the hoosiers are the only ones who have done it in 76 others have tried including larry bird's indiana state team in 79 including who they um, lose to in 79 who they lose michigan to? state and Irvin magic johnson the game that changed basketball forever mm. let's test forever. your memory where oh, was that game it. played where was that game played I don't know, but I remember. I remember watching. <laughs> you don't game. know, but you're just gonna blow through the question. No, I know. I, 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 I'm old now. I can't remember, but I, I, I remember. I believe watching it's that Albuquerque, game. New Mexico. What yeah, are your remember, memories of watching re- that game? I remember watching that game with my family at home, and we were all rooting for Michigan State for obvious reasons. Growing up in Detroit, but I, I do remember that run by Michigan State by my man Special K. Greg, Greg Kelser, yeah, you know, and of course Irvin, you know, at that time. So I, I remember watching Irving play in high school, and to watch him go on to East Lansing there and and the old field house, Jenison Field House there. So that was an incredible, what an incredible game! 
And I think that was an incredible matchup. I mean, Larry Bird at Indiana State. I mean, that was that was big time. So uh, I think that's when the the actual hype. The thing that I remember most about that game is there was a lot of hype built up. Like you know how it is now, Eric. You know, there's so much hype and oh, who's gonna do what? Who's gonna do it? Hype. How, Where's how, their how hype? often? <laughs> how, but how often does the hype surpass even the build up? Yeah. And to yep. me, that's what made the game special because we knew we were witnessing not just two great teams. We were witnessing two amazing players. I mean, Larry Bird Absolutely. was, you know, if Larry Bird was in college today, see, that would get my attention. That's my problem now, getting old, because I saw these guys. So yeah. when people tell me this guy is good and this guy, I'm like, I saw Larry Bird. I saw Irvin Magic Johnson. I remember seeing Ralph Sampson. I saw the I saw Akeem Olajuwon in in, in college, right? Mm-hmm. So you know it takes a lot to impress me. From that regard, but this I remember true. Larry Bird was that good. I remember he was that good. I, I remember sitting there and my dad telling me why this guy was good. It wasn't just enough to be a fan. Like he was like, "Son, you got to respect this man, and here's why." And I remember Irvin Johnson, I can see them in that 2-3 zone with the fro in the back. <laughs> and I remember technically that you saw a 6-8, guy who was just doing things you hadn't seen before. All right? I mean, 6-8, yeah. 6-9 guy who was maybe the tallest guy on the team was also the point guard of the team and was a true point guard. This wasn't a guy who was mimicking the position. And you saw, you knew you were witnessing. I remember I was a kid. I was witnessing something I had never, I had never seen an individual ear like Magic Johnson ever before in my life. And I never saw a guy like Larry Bird who could shoot and pass. I remember, I can remember, I saw him passing with his left hand. I, 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 I was like, what's going on? Oh, some of those Indiana State passes from the, the clips that season are, are, are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah he and, you was, know, he, and he's... You saw, you know, obviously the Michigan State talent pool and the Indiana State talent pool are, are, are pretty different. Obviously, Magic as the floor general and, and Kelser out there and some other, you know, really terrific players at Michigan State where Indiana State Don't forget a, about Jay Vincent. Don't forget about Jay Vincent. Jay Vincent was the other guy I was searching for who played in the NBA with Kelser as well. So, you know, then you look at Indiana State and, you know, they had some good Division One players on that team and some scrappers, but Larry raised uh, the level of everybody, as did Magic. And the reason why I say, um, you know, the game that changed history is because that ignites the competition between those guys to a new level. And Larry, I've, I've heard him say it, and one day you and I have to have a Larry, we, we one day you and I have to do a show where we have Larry, and one day we do a show when we have to have Magic. The, the conversation will be it will be unbelievable. But Larry says, uh, even with all the NBA success and championships, he never got over that loss. He never got over the fact that he had a chance to represent where he was from against Magic, and and then didn't get it done in that game. And that's what drove him. And you know, the other thing about the time period that's so cool is, you know, they both get into the NBA and they both have personal and team success right away. But the public has to wait five years until they play Lakers Celtics in the finals for the first time. 
So the buildup and the anticipation of that um, was also really, really special. So, well, um, I want to say this about, you know, and, 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 and you know, I, I happen to, you know, have an opportunity to play against Larry. And, that, and, that, and to me, that was one of the thrills of my career. Like, there's like a, some a checklist that I had. One of them was I wanted to see how good he really was. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you he was better than I thought. When I say better than I thought, like, I knew he was really, really good, but he was even better than that. And I had the utmost respect coming to the game. Like, like I was like, okay, he can't be that good. Because everyone was telling me, like, oh, man, like, you, you, wait till you play against him. Wait till you play against Larry. And I was like, okay. He was better than that. Yeah. And, and you got he him was late. older then. He wasn't yeah, like, this was like, him, yeah. yeah. This wasn't prime, Larry. This was like, he, okay, so the utmost respect. The thing about Larry then that I remember about that game as a kid, and this is the kid talking now, right? If I can go back, to, I want to be a fan for a second, is the, the, the contrast of styles. Because as a kid playing in the playground, we didn't play with like the discipline of like BJ you should have thrown the bounce pass here. <laughs> <laughs> make sure make sure your post-entry pass is at the proper yeah, angle in the was, playground, BJ. Ex- exactly. It wasn't <laughs> like, that's not how I learned how to play the game. Yep. The competition allowed you to play against all different players and philosophies and what have you. But how I learned how to play the game, Magic Johnson embodied that. You know, the no look away passes. That's magic. That was that was our style. There was something that was representative about the game that every city in America identifies yeah. with. Okay? Uh, I'm, Let's just I'm, call it what I'm it like. Smi- yeah, I'm smiling now because I'm thinking about all the little things that I saw Bird and Magic do that I tried to then imitate in middle school and early in high school. Yeah, it's and, unbelievable. And... and, and then you saw Larry, and you and, and if you were a player, you respected that because your coaches back then and today always stressed the fundamentals of the game. Larry Bird had incredible fundamentals. I just didn't understand right. his improvising with the way he would do touch passes or his footwork. Or I had a greater yeah. appreciation as I got to be a pro. I was like. Oh, I get it now. But back then, I didn't get it until yeah. I became a pro myself. It's different. So as like much he, as they were different, they were the same. Yeah, they yeah. were the Fu- same. Funda- I I call it uh, fundamentals with flash. You know what they, I mean? They, like they like were the, the the no looks and my favorite um, thing that I would try to do. You know, and I was I was tall for my age, right? And I was also uh, uh, foot speed challenged, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, the way Bird would go, and obviously when Larry Bird's shooting the basketball, sometimes he's coming off the ground a little bit. Sometimes he's not coming off the ground at all. But the way he would fool the defense, and everyone's thinking shot, and then right before that ball is about to go up to the basket, it is going on a beeline to a teammate's hands when the entire defense is already starting to box out and, and draw their attention to a shot going up. And obviously, you know, he's throwing the basketball to – Parish and to Mikhail and to Maxwell and to Walton 
and I always found those plays exhilarating because he was playing chess and and he was he was getting the defense to do uh, exactly what he wanted to do, and then you combine that with the fundamentals and with the uh, the red hour back Larry Bird instructional videos where they're out there on the floor, and you're watching this guy and like I'll, I'll never I'll never forget. Uh, there's a video he's in with Red, and he tries to miss, and the ball still goes in because he was just that damn good. Well, Larry, Larry was yeah. Larry. Larry. Technically speaking, what made Larry so incredible? I mean, you can talk about everything, shooting, fundamental, you know, like, and all those things. But what made Larry like incredible as a, as a, as? Were you talking about the the greatest players? To ever the greatest athletes all right larry played the game at his pace and he you couldn't speed him up larry never had to adjust you had to adjust to him think about what i'm saying here so you play against some players you have to adjust your game to play that game that's what makes the nba to me that's why i was i i i i, I say this with great humility that was the greatest challenge to me because i had to adjust my game, like, okay, if you played against Maurice Cheeks, it had to do a certain thing. If you played against Tim Hardaway, I had to do a certain thing. I had to play against Isaiah Thomas. Oh, I'm playing against Steve Smith tonight. I have to adjust. I, Steve I'm against Smith, Magic. yes. Yeah, you played against, you know, you know Derek Harper. You, I got to adjust my game. Larry Bird, you had to adjust to play against him because he could post everybody up. He could shoot... I don't know how over everybody he could pass around you through you above you against anybody he could rebound over the, against over the every, head he could rebound uh, against pe- pe- everybody yeah pe- people don't understand the passing and rebounding aspect of his game well that's what i'm saying he so the thing about larry was okay he played against dominique didn't matter he played against dr j didn't matter he played against whomever. It didn't matter. That was the most impressive thing to me is because he was much bigger than you thought. Larry is a big man. Larry was every bit of 6'10". He's every bit of 6'9", 6'10". Like, I know mm-hmm. they listen to him with a 6'8 or something. He's like 6'9". 6'9", 6'9", yeah. I'll never forget the first time meeting him when he was coaching the Pacers, yeah. and I could not believe Larry, how, how big he was. The, he was a very physical player. Like, he was really strong for his size. Mm-hmm. Okay, now playing with your left hand and your right hand in traffic. He did that. If there was anything that was to me undervalued in his game, is he had a nice little handle. He, he yeah. played within himself, right? The ball never got mm-hmm. outside of himself. He played. He got. He got where he needed to go at his oh, pace man, and, and his every speed. Time. And he could play. There wasn't a place there. He got the ball. Think about what I'm about to say here, Eric, because this, to me, is what separated him from all the other ones. And I saw some great ones. Every time he caught the ball, he was in position to score. Eric, listen to what I'm saying here. Every time he caught the ball, he was in position to score. If he caught it on the box, if he caught it at the mid-range, if he caught it at the three-point line, there wasn't a place where he would catch the ball and you didn't have to defend him. 
And that is what separated him because Michael Jordan had to move his game to the three-point line. Larry walked in the door on day one and was a threat every single time he caught it. And and and, and I remember watching Tiger Woods one time, and I was like, and I, I remember thinking to myself, every time he hits the ball, he can go right at the pin. I was like, mm-hmm. man, that's a huge advantage because. Yeah. Like, if I caught the ball on the box, no one didn't expect me to score. They're like, ah, oh, he just caught the ball in an awkward place. <laughs> did, like, did, you have, did, you, did you have a go-to on either shoulder on the I, box? I, I, I didn't because I, 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 I couldn't. <laughs> I, there were many guys I could post up. But Larry, every time he caught the ball, when, when, when I played against him the first time, every time he caught the ball, everyone was in a help position. Okay, it's like you know, like yeah, and let me just let me just amplify what you're saying. Like it didn't matter if he caught the ball facing the basket, back to the basket, basket, three quarter. It didn't matter. And I've been in discussions with people who just don't have an idea of how great this guy was. And I'm not I'm not going to sit here and start playing the the comps to Bird and LeBron or Bird and Durant and all these things, but. How many guys can you say exactly that about? No, you can't. What you just said. What you just said. It's 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 you. There 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 aren't many. Yeah. There are there aren't many that can say that now. I watched Michael evolve into that, where suddenly he, you know, in his own way, every time he caught the ball. From about 80, I'm going to say right around 88 or 89 to like 90, I don't know, 7, 98 when they won the last championship. He was a threat every time he caught the ball. Every time he caught it. And not only was he a threat, he was going to attack every time he caught it. He had that run, Eric, from like 90 when we won our first championship to to the first repeat where every time he caught the ball, he was attacking. Now, the pressure that he put on the, his individual defender along with the team, that had to be an incredible responsibility because every time he caught the ball, he was attacking. Eric, every time he catch it, like he didn't catch the ball to swing it. He was catching, let me attack, and then see what's going on. Yep. yep. If he caught it mid-play, he was attacking. If he caught it in the fast break, if he caught it in half court, if he caught the ball in a timeout, if he caught the ball in the bus, <laughs> he was going to figure out how to attack. Yep. That, that to me is what separates these players is when they can attack every single time they get the ball. Larry was a threat. Michael took it to me to a whole nother level. He said, okay, it's the one thing to be a threat from three point, but it's another thing to attack it. He's just, a, he's just attacking. There wasn't a part of the game where he didn't catch the ball and he could he could make something happen. So, yeah. And the other I, thing about those two and, you know, put Kobe Bryant in there too. Like there was never a time where those guys hit the snooze button in terms of like in, in competition, easing off the throttle, like never, never. Well, that's, it that's what, that's what made, that's what guys. made watching them. So just unbelievable. As we've taken the final four and gone down the ladder yeah, of history can, road, which, which, should... but, but, which is a great convo. But fin- finish your thought, and I'll, and I'll yeah, bring it back. Yeah, you know, 
you know, you, you you know, you see things, right? And you see things technically that you just never seen. When I saw Larry, I was like, oh, that's a little different. Like, you know, you just, you're like, okay, that's different. You know, I see somebody who's a threat every time he catches the ball. Like, how, how do you get to be that good? Like, every time you catch it, Eric, you're a threat. Then I saw someone take that being a threat to, like, actually attacking the basket every single time. And not only did he attack the basket on the offensive end, he attacked you on the defensive end. That's that took the game into a whole nother dimension because he could control the game not only on the offensive side, which we associated with the best player on the floor in that era, even though Bill Russell had done it before, but he was a center. Okay. Mm-hmm. You saw a guard attack the ball and attack teams defensively in a way we had never seen before. Okay, yeah. Michael Jordan in many ways ushered in a lot of the defensive things that we're seeing today as far as pressure, switching, and doing those things. So people say, people like to say, oh, man, uh, players were switching, you know, now in a way we hadn't seen before. You ask any coach or any player who played in that era against Jordan and Pippen, they were the first players that I saw that could took away a play that we all ran in the NBA, which was common was a single double action. The the base the, the the players would get on the baseline, the fours and fives would come down and people would run around screens, right? Whether that was Reggie Miller or whomever, Joe Dumars, to name a few. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, they could switch. They didn't really have to chase. Even though they could chase around screens, they could switch. And they were doing that they were doing that in the early nineties, in the late eighties. They were doing that. And they and they and they and they were exceptional at it. So I think other coaches picked up on that to where what you're seeing today, where now everyone's just switching all positions. But Michael yeah. and Scotty were doing that. They were doing that early on, and you can ask anyone who was in that era, and that's what made them so. Both of them, you know, um, they were they were like incredible defensive players. For sure. Um, we could talk about Magic, Bird, and Larry all day. Oh, maybe yeah, we yeah, should yeah, start that's, a separate maybe we should start a separate series on that. Um, let's pivot real quick. Um, we hit trade deadline, but as we've seen now, the trade deadline is now uh, becoming a two-part process. It's trades and then it's buyouts. And, uh, you know, you had some great things to say a couple of weeks ago about this whole buyout thing and guys sitting on the bench and waiting until, you know, the team negotiates with them, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get down to how these moves affect the teams on the floor. Um, This one, you've had strong feelings about what the Lakers have needed in the middle uh, with the void left by Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee no longer being there. Andre Drummond to the Lakers. How much of a difference maker will he be for them and why? Well, I think that's to be seen, Eric, what Drummond is going to mean to this team. And sometimes, Eric, things work. And, and, and I would love to sit here and tell you as an executive, I have all of the answers. But like I've mentioned to you many times before, you haven't scouted until you've been wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you think things are going to work, and they don't. Sometimes 
which are the best surprises where you don't know what's going to happen and suddenly it works. I can't tell you exactly why JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard were the perfect combination for this team. If you remember a year ago, Dwight Howard was on a non-guaranteed make good contract. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, he's starting in the NBA finals. Playing against a sig- sig- significant role player, Rondo and Dwight Howard, significant role players for the okay. Lakers, helping them win a championship. Okay, same for Javale McGee. It just works, yeah. just just works. Okay, Javale McGee started all year for the for the Lakers. You could say the same thing for him. He he's on a make good contract in Golden State, and before I knew it, he's the starting center in the NBA Finals. Just works. Okay, that combination of those two. Works. Why? Because both of those young men can play the game at the pace of the game today. Both of them are not good athletes. They are exceptional athletes for their size and they can play Mm -hmm. vertical. They can play vertical basketball, which is the new NBA. It's like living in Manhattan. There's nowhere else to go but up. Those guys can play vertical basketball. And when and you have to give your best player, LeBron James, the ability, I will say this. Your best player has to have the ability to be the best version of himself or herself at all times. If I take away LeBron James' ability to attack that basket, I'm not taking full advantage of what LeBron James brings to the team and the aspect of the team. Playing alongside JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard allows LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be the best version of themselves is because both of them can play the vertical basketball game when they do attack the basket. That's, to me, that's the most critical thing about their team last year is because every time somebody would drive, if Rondo would drive, he would throw it up. If you if the big slot slid yep. over, and that is key. You can't do that with Marcus Gasol. Nope. Okay? Nope. I, I don't know if that – do I think Drummond has the, the, the athletic ability to do it? Yeah, but he doesn't do it as well as those two. Those two are no, exceptional no. at it, but but he can do it, and and you, you hit the you hit it right on there. And then the other thing, just thinking about the landscape of the West, Nurkic is back for Portland. Joker, Joker is not back. Joker is leading the charge for MVP oh, this course. year. You, you have the other DeAndre kid, Aiden uh, in Phoenix. DeAndre Aiden. You have uh, and then Rudy Gobert, Gobert in Utah. So, so you know the, the competition has size, and it can't be just AD and Marcus Ole dealing with it. Well, so here, here, I, I, go ahead, I want go to ahead. say this here. I want to say this here. The center of this team, and to me, the brilliance of the team, the way it was constructed a year ago, was the following. Because there's only one team in the in the entire NBA can say this, and there's to me there's only one other player who has the ability to do this. Anthony Davis is perhaps the best power forward in the NBA. If he's not the best, he's number two. Him and Giannis. However you want to slice it and dice it. Okay. Yep. However you want to. However you want to shake it. If you got one or the other, you're not. You're saying, hey, I'll take my chances. Right. It doesn't matter which one you got. But then if you put Anthony Davis at the five, because that's what he really is. He's really a five. 
Who else can say they got the best four and the best five on the same team? Very true. Okay? He may not be the most physical four or five to deal with the interior play that Doc Rivers has has clearly instituted there in Philadelphia. And he doesn't have the size to deal with Jokic for 48 minutes. But for stretches, he is a mm-hmm. problem for both because he is seven feet, he's a seven-footer, and he's a shot blocker. And he will extend the game where those other guys just cannot plug up the lane against him in screen roll or whatever it is they're doing with him on the offensive end. There isn't another player that brings that to the game. And by the way, Eric, he can also guard your other team's point guard like Jimmy Butler for the full 48 minutes with no help. Who else can say that? When you put all of that together, Anthony Davis is a major problem, and he is truly the five that gives them the advantage of the game. I love the combination of JaVale and Dwight Howard with that combination because they all complemented each other beautifully. Yep. Now, Anthony Davis playing five for 30 minutes a night. I first said it when I saw him play at Philly this year. I didn't like how that looked. Why are we letting Anthony Davis play against Joel Embiid and these guys for that for those type of minutes. No, he doesn't I have think, the body I think it's no, it's got to be a balance, and, and it depends on the matchups. But it's got to be a balance there with him, and and this move, th- this move does that. This move does that. So well, I we mean, hope I it think, does that. We hope it does that. that this is what sure. we're hoping. We sure. hope it does that because we're going to ask him. When I say him, Drummond, to do something, we just haven't seen him do, at the level that we've seen the other do. I think throughout their career. Drummond puts up numbers. Puts up yeah. incredible he numbers. He puts up numbers for teams that are uh, either on the edge of the playoffs or not in the playoff race. Okay. And, you know, he this is a different role for him. This is a this different, is a role, different role This is a different role for him. And I will say this. He has the athletic ability to play any style. But he hasn't shown that he can do it the way those other two could do it. Yeah, well, to me, he needs the very simple thought and motto that Doc Rivers uses so well. Be a star in your role. So this is your role with this team. This is your role that is going to help us come out of the Western Conference. You need to be a star in this role. So to, to me, that, that that's, Eric, that's... Be a star in this role, but I want to say this and but because it is important to be said. It has to be said. He is also an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. Coaches will always tell you, be a star, do what's best for the team. But also, you have to do what's best for your career. And that's the human element that we cannot, we cannot just look away from it. He is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. That, that, that's a fact. Now, yep, that's a, that's a fact. And if we ignore that, we are ignoring something that's he has to. He's got to make a decision next year. He's got to make a decision. 
So again, in knowing that, taking that into account, I don't know how it plays itself out, but I will say this. I think this is a tall task. I think it's a very delicate balancing act that needs to be done here by the player, by the team. And the only way that it can solve itself, Eric, <laughs> is to win an NBA championship and play very well. There you have it. There you have it. Which is going to be quite a tall task with how the Western Conference is shaping up. Let's, uh, let's take a flight to, uh, to the East Coast. LaMarcus Aldridge, who we both know is not the same player he once was, but we both know the skill set and what he could bring to the table right now. He has landed with the Brooklyn Nets. This is following the Blake Griffin edition. So at this point in his career, with the way the Nets have constructed their roster, with the way the Nets have played very well with Durant out of the lineup, we know they're going to ease KD back in at some point to ramp him up for the playoffs. Um, what role do you expect Aldridge to play, and what do you think he's got left to give? Well, I, I want to answer this, and, and I want to answer it as honest as I possibly can, like all questions. Do, yeah, does that mean you're lying to me sometimes? No, it's just, it's just <laughs> that, you know, I, 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 like, I, I always want to pay my respect to, to, to the players because – you know, everyone's Absolutely. doing their best, right? You know what I mean? And, and I'm, I'm not into criticizing and doing those nope. things. Because to me, that just that's like a cop-out, right? Yep. For sure. LaMarcus For sure. Aldridge is, was, he's perhaps a Hall of Fame player, right? He's, he's had a Hall of Fame he's career. Had, he's had a heck right? of a career. He's had a heck of a career. Father Time, as you know, Eric, doesn't miss anyone. Okay. So here's the thing I'm going to say about LaMarcus Aldridge. The hardest thing to accept for any player is, as you are declining and your skills are declining physically, is to accept where you're, you're, you're truthfully where you're at. You know, like it's important to have truth tellers in your life so that you can say, "Hey, this is where you're really at." I know your mind is still saying you can do this, you know. And I always like to tell the story, like the first time I played against Allen Iverson, right? Allen Iverson represents. Mm -hmm. They said he's the answer. Well. He told me the truth that night. I never seen a guy run that fast. Okay. And, and that was my truth teller when he said, you know what? It's time now. It's time. If I'm thinking that LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin are going to play at the level they played against the starters in this league, I'm kidding myself. I think both of them are well equipped to play against backup players now in their career and be an elite backup player. I think Blake Griffin, if I ask Blake Griffin to play against the starters in this league, he probably will struggle playing against Bam Adebayo and, and Giannis and Anthony Davis and all those guys. But if I ask him to play against the backup guys, in, in, in backup minutes, you know, he, he, now those 12 to 15 points he probably could do, that's very valuable to the team in those minutes. I think the same about LaMarcus Aldridge. If I'm asking LaMarcus Aldridge now to go out there and bang against Joel Embiid, no, no, you're not, you're not selling me that one. 
You're not selling me against Jokic. You're not selling me that he's going to be able to contain Rudy Gobert and what Rudy Gobert is going to do. You're not selling me he's going to be able to run and jump with DeAndre Ayton. But if you're telling me LaMarcus, Dario Saric, I like that matchup. If you're telling me that he's going to come in in limited minutes and maybe give me starter minutes based on how he's feeling or how he's playing in that game, okay, I'm buying that. I'm buying that. Now, it appeared to me that he didn't want that role in San Antonio. That's what it looked like to me from the outside looking, looking in. Greg Popovich, whether you like yeah, him or I mean, you don't, He's yeah, a truth teller. Be developing the, yeah, the, the, for sure. And they've got to oh, be developing the okay. young players. No, mean, one's Aldridge... giving up, no one's giving up 2010 in a lineup. Like, come on, give Greg Popovich some credit. Like, he's just not going to say, I'm going to take 20 and 10 and just and, 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 and put it on the shelf. Come of on. Of course. All right. of course. So if you're telling me LaMarcus Aldridge is going to accept that role and play those minutes and work those minutes, I think it's a very, very nice pickup for them. If you're telling yeah. me LaMarcus Aldridge is going to come here and start trying to run and jump with these young guys. No. I'm not buying that. No. No. To, to, me, like, to, me, yeah. no, to me, it's, it's a perfect 20-minute per game role behind DeAndre where you've got defense and rebounding and DeAndre screening and diving. Um as the starter and then the contrast of LaMarcus coming in, being a pick-and-pop guy, and being another offensive threat either with the second unit or, you know, Nash now can go literally – he can develop a whole lineup now knowing that he's got Aldridge on the floor to space things out and keep that paint wide open without having to, quote-unquote, play five – perimeter only guys at least Aldridge can be in the game and give you a little bit of size and rebounding on the, on the defensive end yeah, so I, I think I, I yeah. think it gives them some great versatility and an added front court ingredient that they really didn't have yeah I, I mean look I, I think LaMarcus is still at a place where him and Blake on any given night could anchor the second units okay I think they could yeah. anchor the second units meaning you can run the plays and run the offense through them I think they can but I want to say this, and I'm going to say this because I the difficulty of that team, of coaching that team, would be the following. Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving can't all have it going at the same time. There's just not enough balls. No. So that means that one of those players are going to have to do it maybe on the second unit. So to me... When Kevin Durant comes back, because he, to me, is the key to all of this. He's the key. Kevin Durant, and I want to say this here, Kevin Durant is not a three anymore in the NBA. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Okay? I'm gonna, I want to say that here. Kevin Durant is not a three anymore in the NBA where his career is at. Kevin Durant's not running around like that young Kevin Durant running around, had boundless amounts of energy. No, but between, between the style of play and where the league has gone, okay. his height, and then what his body has been through, yeah, you're spot on. Spot okay. on. Is Kevin Durant still an elite 
scorer and an elite player as a power forward without question. Without question. Because mm-hmm. nobody can guard Kevin Durant. I don't care who it is. Anthony Davis, Giannis, wh- whoever y'all want to Kevin Durant is going to be 60 years old, can still get 20 points in the NBA game. He can just score that basketball. I don't care. He can just score. He, 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 he has that ability to do that. Now, if Kevin Durant is healthy, and that's a big if because he's missed, what, 19, 20 games now. If Kevin Durant is healthy, he will be getting 35-plus minutes at that power forward position. He has to play that position. That's his advantage. That's Kevin Durant's. That's right. his advantage. So then now I don't know what that means. Your minutes for Blake, Lamarcus, right, and DeAndre. Are I don't very know limited. what that means for the other play. This is what I'm saying. And if Kevin Durant has it going, that means okay, Kyrie, maybe you can take an early seat or James Harden because you still got to get those guys. You still have to get those guys going too. Well, so the beauty, again, the beauty of Harden now is we've seen this like. Harden can take less than 10 shots in a game and still have a tremendous impact because of the as long as we win attention. Yes. As long as we win, as long as we win Eric, if he takes 10 shots and we win, Oh, he's sacrificing for a team. He <laughs> takes 10 shots and we lose. Somebody yeah. got to yeah, criticize yeah, yeah. James Harden. Cause he didn't show yeah. up at the run. That's how fickle yeah. this business is now. Okay. So the narratives, <laughs> Oh, he took 10 shots. Oh, man, he's sacrificing for the team. This is why he came here. How beautiful is this? And, and, you know, James, how you feel about it? I'm just going to do whatever I got to do to win. James, you only took eight shots and y'all lost by 15. What's going on? Yep. It's important that James Harden do James Harden. And what does James Harden do? James Harden needs shots. James Harden is an FGA player. He gets field goals attempted every night. Kevin Durant, field goals attempted every night, and my man Kyrie Irving don't care who's on the floor. He is going to get his shots. And it's important that if they do lose, that all three of them feel that they had an opportunity to affect the outcome down. of the game. They went down. They went down. That, 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 that's important. Sure. That's important. Because mm-hmm. the last thing we want to say or you want to feel as a player is that I didn't give my all because of whatever it is. And that went winning, as my coaches used to like to say, covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> James Harden yep. is not an eight or ten field goal attempt guy. That man there can generate 35, 40 shots in a game. He has the talent. He has the physical stamina to do it. And they have three players that can do it. So I think it's important for those guys to go down, if they're going to go down, saying, as my man Frank Sinatra would say, I did it my (laughs) way. (laughs) Love it. Love it. And closing thought here, though, I do want to see, you know, I know KD is better suited for the four at this point. But at some point, we're going to have to see Kyrie, Harden, KD, Aldridge, and Blake on the floor together. At some I think point. You, I think you will. And I it won't think be, it won't be, be often. salivating at the opportunity to play against those teams. Against, against, against that, that five, five, you mean? Against that five. Oh, well, defensively, I'm, I'm, I'm immediately putting in because, a 3-2 zone. 
I'm putting I, I, in the three-two zone, <laughs> and I'm utilizing their size. basketball, oh, which yeah. is a game we, we play today, pace and space. Again, those guys aren't as young as they used to be, and understandably no. so. Yep. So yep. if I were playing against those teams, I would hope that they put that team on the floor against me because I feel pretty good about the offensive sets I'm going to run against that team. With, and I say that with all due respect. I say that with the utmost respect. Okay? You oh, cannot yeah. play that g- game with the you can't play this the, the the game today with those with those five guys. You can't. Not for an extended period of time. No, you you you, you, you yeah. just can't because if you miss well, a shot man. Yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're yeah. In trouble, for <laughs> yeah, sure. You, you, it's coming, there won't it's be many closeouts. Down. There won't be many closeouts <laughs> with that group. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I literally I would I would I would put KD, uh, like what uh, Flip used to do with KG back in the day. Put him at the top of that three-two, get real long, um, make it difficult for for teams to get into their offense. I mean, it's a totally gimmick dummy defense, but to to protect those guys and and give it a shot for a couple of minutes at a time would be fun. Uh, but I digress. Uh, we're going to go back out to the West Coast now, BJ. And um, it appears that DeMarcus Cousins and the Clippers are uh, about to, jo- to join forces. Uh, some are saying 10-day. Uh, what do you have on DeMarcus, and how do you think he fits in with the Clippers? Well, I, I think DeMarcus, you know, look. You know, that young player, that young man who came into this league and you saw so skilled and, and at his sides when he was on to do that, it's I – mean, he, he really had some years where you were like, he's, he's a monster player. Yeah, he was he – was, Monster. And, you know, injuries, you know, they're, they're part of the game. And for him to battle back from these significant injuries that he's had, right, says a lot about him. And I think – him being in a place where he's valued for where he's at in his career is important to him and his his psyche right now. And Boston needs a player who can come there and perform every single night. Boogie certainly has the talent to do it if he's healthy. If, if Boogie is healthy, Boogie probably would be a really good fit for the Celtics. I mean, because he could rebound, he could score... He can play pick and pop, pick and you know, pick and roll. He can you can run the offense to him. He's a really good passer. Block a few shots here and there. He does he does everything you need. But that's what the Celtics need. They're looking for that player. And I don't think Bookie physically is at that space right now. He may hopefully, let's hope that he gets back to that space, right? Where he cause I would love to see him going out there getting his 15, 20 points a night. Doing what Boogie, you know, doing what Boogie, you know, he always does. I think the Clippers are a better fit for him because, you know, they're not going to ask him to do that every night. And when his number is called, you know, the responsibility is like, just give us what you got. And I think that's a good fit for him. And I think it's important for him to be around people who value that. Mm-hmm. More so than going to a place where literally the Celtics right now are fighting to get into the playoffs. I think the Clippers 
and 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 the coaches right now are they're in a different space than the Celtics are currently right yeah. now. Yeah, and Rondo's there, and they yeah. have a great history from Sacramento so and I, New I just, Orleans. Yeah, so I just think the Clippers sound like a better space for him, and let's hope that it works out for him because that young man has had to fight through some through some tough things. He had to fight through some tough things, and. I, I, I just want to see the best for him because I, I'm rooting for him. You know, I'm rooting for him. I've always enjoyed watching him play. And I don't know him personally to the level that I know some of the players, but he he seems just like it's a you know, terrific guy. You know, I know you, you've had a chance to work with him here, but he's, you know, and all the clients of mine over the years who played with him, they, they've always spoke very highly of him. So, you know, we'll see how it turns out. But if you're asking me from the outside looking in, I would say the Clippers is probably a better place for him than the Celtics at this time. Agree. Agree. Um, you know, it, the, I'm not going to get into the DeMarcus Cousins uh, narrative, but there's a huge difference when you talk to uh, players that have played with him, that have relationships with him, versus uh, people on the outside looking in who – judge what they see through a, a lens uh, of a guy in heated competition um, for two hours a night on television. But um, the injuries have been cruel to him, and hopefully he is in a place where he is ready to accept this role on a team that, um, as you said, is uh, is on a mission to, uh, to go to the finals, and it's definitely a, a different situation from the Celtics. That's, uh, that's for sure. But Boogie... Um, you know, front court with Abaka there, with Zubox there. Um, he brings something different. He, he brings, brings size. A, 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 he brings passing. Yeah. He brings the ability to, to make the three. Um, and that's a nice three-headed monster for and, him in the middle. And, and you know what I like about it with him, with, the, with the, the Clippers, is that Boogie, you know, the, the playoffs are – the playoffs are a it's a different test for your team, right? You have to have as you're constructing a team, you have to have players who can play in every style that you know you're going to see. At some point here, as you advance in the playoffs, you're going to you're going to need a guy like Boogie. You're going to need him at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what I would love to see for him is just like with Dwight Howard last year. Dwight Howard didn't start all year. He's playing behind JaVale McGee. And, you know, every now and then he would show a flash. You know, he would come in, he would have a, you know, a, a 10-point game. But you, he would do it in limited minutes. But Dwight Howard stayed ready. And out of nowhere, he was the one guy that can match up against Jokic. And it changed his entire season around. Mm. I could see that happening for, for Boogie. Because at some point... They're going to need him. They're going to need him. And we had a guy that I played with many years ago, Cliff Livingston. Uncle Cliff. Good news. And good news, he gets, he comes over and, you know, it's hard when you get traded. You come to a new system, new city. And he wasn't like, you know, he was just, he, you know, he, he had a, he was always a pro. He's always very professional, but it was just tough for him. But I remember when we played against the Pistons, 
without having him on the team, we don't match up with Mark Aguirre and Dennis Rodman and that physical caliber of play. We don't match up with James Worthy when we played against the Lakers. He was the, the final, player yeah. that was that 6'8", just, I don't know what he was. He was like an undersized athlete he's, who could play a, that game. Street, and a street yeah. fighter. Yeah, he, he could he, play he, that he, game, he, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was different oh, yeah. from Scotty. He was different from Horace. He was different from Stacey King. And Scott. he was he was good news, but you needed that type of player. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping for Boogie. It's going to come because they're going to see Jokic, they're going to see Aiton, they're going to see maybe Joel Embiid, Nurkic, and I'm hoping for him because this young man has clearly he knows how to battle now. And it'll be great for him to come back and be able to get in that. Because, I mean, Boogie can play the game at the highest level. When he was healthy, I mean, come on, man. He was, he was, he was a monster. And, and yeah, people forget, a... like, he gets hurt uh, with the Warriors the second game of the playoffs. And he comes back to play in the finals. I mean, he's on one leg. And he helped them and, win two games and, in so that series. Gonna, just gutting it out. So... I, I, you I, hope I, you hope this works. Yeah. You hope this works, and you hope there's a playoff moment or two for him where. Um, and I hope he, he gets can, up. He can and, really. And I want to say this, you know, if he's listening, you know, I anytime a player gets hurt, it just it just breaks my heart because you know, you know, have your health is always so important. I just hope this young man can get back to a level of health where he can play. Yeah, and we he can we play. We were st- let's we say eighty five percent of the games. I, I I just want him to have a because you know what he deserves it, and uh, I just want to say that. So, shout out to to Boogie here uh, on the Pure Hoos podcast, and uh, we're rooting for you. And uh, hopefully, he makes a decision here, and I'd love to see him there with the Clippers. Phenomenal. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get Boogie hooked on the show. I uh, don't know how don't know how many basketball pods he listens to. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he listens to this one. Uh, <laughs> So real quick, did you um, did you get into the Stephen A. Russell Westbrook back and forth this week at all? I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on uh, on on Russell? And and you know, I thought his response was was uh, very thoughtful and spot on. What do you think? Well, here here here's my my true thoughts. You know. You know, Eric. As you get older, you you see through the nonsense, right? You know. Very rarely do I have an immediate reaction to things because I've seen these movies before, right? I've been seeing this, Eric's. I came into this business as a 21-year-old kid. And now at my age now, I've, I've got 30 years of experience to see through the nonsense, okay? So I will, I will say this. You know, I, had a, I, 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 I feel so fortunate to have played with in a league where the... the you know, I, I saw the birth of talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've seen this movie before. I've seen this movie. Okay. And to all of the players who are listening, they should know the following. Okay. A star player's name in the headlines means something to that business. A star player's name in the headlines, whether it's on television in that time, it was newspaper. Now it's on social media and all these sites. 
it means something. So if you see a star player is in headlights, you're more likely to click on it. Just like if you saw that star player's name on the front page, you're liable to pick up the newspaper and read it. Yep. This is business. It's never Some personal. would call that clickbait. Okay. Now, I understand business-wise why that was done. And the reason I understand that, Eric, is because some of, the, some of that happened to me as a player. I'm not saying I was as good as Russell Westbrook, but I've seen that. I've played with players who were star players. I've seen this movie. Most important, Eric, is what I want to share with the players, since you asked me, is the following. Whether it's a radio host, a television host, internet podcast, this podcast here, there's a person on this podcast you can't see who's producing this show. And nine times out of 10, but I'm going to tell I'm going to say nine times out of 10, because we don't like to be 100% correct. But before every show that's done on a major network, there is a production meeting and everybody knows what people are talking about that day and what people want to hear. Stop me when I'm wrong, Eric, and, I, and I'm a, I'm a, I'll stop this conversation. So it's important I for mean, our yeah. youth today and for our kids today, and this is what people that's my age need to tell these young people, because if I could tell these young people, I would tell them, okay? It's a game. All of those people have production people that are sitting behind the meetings, figuring out what people will engage their audience. Eric, stop me when I'm wrong now. So these executive producers and producers who never ever have to come in contact with these young men who are out there playing their hearts out are mm -hmm. doing what they got to do to play this game in the name of making money. And it's important for our kids to understand. Play the game, but don't let the game play you. Play the game. And if you understand the game, if you understand and this is what made me get into the business because, Eric, if there's one thing I feel passionate about is I want to share with these kids, not about basketball. That's the easy part. The hard part is what's really going on the things you can't see. And, Eric, I've been a part of them production meetings. I've been a part of those executive producers who are writing these narratives. I've been a part of all of those things before it gets on there and it looks, hey, Eric, you know how it looks unscripted? You know what I mean, Eric? Well, maybe you don't, don't know what I, I mean. I, I, Eric, yeah, Eric, I, maybe I you don't know, know what I, I mean. Know. I don't know okay. how I would know. But Eric, see, this is I what know. I want to tell these Russell Westbrooks. Call BJ. He'll tell you how them, I'll tell you how them shows really are produced. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll tell you how all of these people are doing what they got to do, but understand the game that you're in because it's not just you playing on the court. You got to understand the game you're playing in because there is more than one way to make money in this business. That's why they call it 
the business of sports. As you said, Doc Rivers said, play your role. Starting know on. know your For role sure. that everybody is playing. So that's what yeah. I want to tell these guys here. And I'm not mad at anybody who's playing in the role, playing their game. Do what you got to do. But it's important that we all understand the game so that, Eric, we can all benefit from the game. Yep. Yeah, it does baffle me sometimes when I watch these segments and we know how the sauce is made, right? Yeah, so you and, and I, I and I'm like yeah. and I'm like and I'm like who thought this was a good idea? You know, and the the beauty of where I sit with what I do at Showtime and what we do with all the smoke is like I'm going to put together a rundown for a guest. So if BJ Armstrong is coming on all the smoke, right? Like I have a rundown for Matt and Stack as a guide for flow to make sure we're hitting on your career beats to make sure that we're talking about significant things that happen in your career and your life, knowing and hoping you're there because you're comfortable with those guys. You're comfortable with the team that's putting it together and you're comfortable sharing your story. I'm not looking for like, oh, we have to get this bite on this and that. So we have, clickbait and we can market it no we know we're going to get great stories it's what we then do with that content afterward that helps make it so special whereas most of these tv shows they're like okay we have to have this headline because we know it's going to get this much traffic like i lived this back in the day of bleacher report they would literally write the headline before doing the content and it would drive me crazy it would absolutely drive me crazy and that's and and that's my eric listen I just want our kids to be prepared to understand the game that they're in. Because if you understand the game, you can navigate it. If you can understand, because people are doing their jobs, do your job. But if you understand it, you can say, oh, now I understand what's going on here. And now I don't have to react in an emotional way because we understand the game. And that's important because, Eric, none of us can deny the importance of the media and all of the things that come with it. Like, we all benefit from this, Eric. We all Mm -hmm. benefit from this. For sure. We all benefit from the attention and the coverage of the game. But you got to know the game, though. We have to know the game. So if there's anything to be learned from here, because I always look at these things as teachable moments. Like, okay, I see it. I see the game. You know, I I, I see how they're doing it. Now, how are you going to navigate it? Because in the end, nothing can take away from what that man did. That man had 35 points, 21 assists, and 14 rebounds. Eric. <laughs> Eric, Eric, yeah. Eric, Eric. No, there's it's, been it's, like it's, three it's, people it's, 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 in the history yeah, of the NBA who's yeah. done that. There's nothing else to be said. Right. Eric, and what do, do you say? This, do you watch this guy play though? Like he he leaves it out there. Like that's Eric, all you can ask. He leaves what, it out there. What is there to say, Eric? What is there to say? Like what am I yeah. gonna say? Like what 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 you gonna say, Eric? What are you gonna say? Like like I don't care who you are. You got to look at this and go, wow, 
Eric, that's a wild moment. Do you, Eric, I'm already prepared to say, hey, man, I saw Russell Westbrook play. Dad, you, you saw him? Yeah, man, I, I, I saw mm -hmm. him play. Eric, I got tapes of, I got tapes in my office here somewhere of a young Russell Westbrook and a young Derrick Rose. Their Ooh. rookie year. Okay. I got, I got the whole, I filmed it. I filmed the entire summer workout prior to their first year in the NBA. There's nothing that can be said about these two people. About, sorry, Russell Westbrook. There's nothing you can say. Like, the man has done something that only like two or three people in the history of the NBA has ever done. What can be said, Eric? So it's important for us to protect our youth, protect our kids, so that they understand what's going on, what they can't see. Because you and I, Eric, we know how the dinner was made. And that's for better or for worse. Okay? And what we want to say here, as long as we are on the airwaves, we are going to celebrate Russell Westbrook and all of these young men who go out there and lay it out on the line. We going to celebrate it here because we understand the difficulty of playing that game, let alone winning in that game, which is beyond anything if you get an opportunity to actually win the final game of the season. Okay? As long as we're on the radio, we're going to celebrate. So, Russell Westbrook, keep doing what you're doing. But it's important so that you can continue to love what it is you do. Because, Eric, not many people in life get a chance to do what they love to do. Okay? And you and I are blessed to Very. do what we love to do. Okay? We can't let nobody get in our way. Russell, keep doing your thing. Keep loving your family. And I know him. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a beautiful kids. I know his mom, his dad, his brother. Let that noise. Uh, let those people do their job. They got a job to do, Eric, now. Eric, they have a job to do. We have a job to do. And that's to protect our youth. You good with us. We're going to keep talking about you here. And hopefully the next time he comes on, he'll say on the Pure Who's podcast, they gave me love because we love what Russell Westbrook is doing. Yeah. And when every time we see somebody put up them type of stats, we going to celebrate it here. That's what's needed today. And we understand that, Eric. You and I understand that world. We ain't mad at that world, but we understand it. And let's keep this thing moving. Love it. Westbrook is on the list for uh, summer 2021. Um, that's the purest way to close the show. Great job today, my friend. NCAA tournament, Larry Bird, buyouts, and the very special and unique Russell Westbrook. Special thanks to the team, Bruce Bernstein, Johnny L, OG Mike Lieber, editor Kristen Woolley, the entire Pure Hoops Media family. Check out the Mike Wise Show each and every Monday. Check out Full Court Press, Fisher and Kay talking college hoops on Tuesday. Wednesdays, Catch and Shoot 2.0, Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin. Thursdays, it's Monica McNutt and King McClure with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Fridays, 
The Purist Podcast with BJ Armstrong and yours truly, Eric Newman. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you have a, uh, a safe weekend. Enjoy the Final Four. Go Bruins. Hope we see two great games, UCLA, Gonzaga, Houston, and Baylor on Saturday. Doubleheader. And stay healthy, stay safe, stay pure. Peace. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.